Oh yeah, it's happening. That's right, peeps. That is the sound of another podcast. I start all these podcasts with those words, but of course you know, let's bring in the bass. There it is. What's going on? What's crack-a-lacking? How's everybody doing? How was your week? Did you do plumbing? Did you do something else? Did you stay home? Did you have vacation? What were you doing? Where are you listening to this? Are you on the bus right now? Well, no matter where you are, I appreciate you listening in. Uh, I was going to take a sip of tea, but I want to do my intro. My name is Kenny Molotov. If you already don't know, plumbing YouTuber, magician. I did some comedy. I also do a little bit of music. All the links are down in the description below. Let's pop into the internet just so you can see what's going on with this podcast. If you go to anchor.fm forward slash Kenny hyphen Molotov, you can find me there on Anchor. Anchor is the app that I distribute the podcast on. It distributes it to many different platforms, including Anchor Breaker, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, CastBox, Overcast, Radio Public, and Stitcher. Peeps, you can find me on all those platforms right there. You can download this to your phone. You can listen to me there. You will find me under Kenny Molotov on all those podcasts. You will not find me under Chronicles of a Plumber, unfortunately. Chronicles of a Plumber is only uh, the name I call this podcast, but also uh, if you go onto YouTube, you can find me on Chronicles of a Plumber. That's the YouTube podcast channel for Kenny Molotov. Let's pop on to the channel just to show you 1,999 subscribers. It is so damn close to 2,000, man. It's so close. I've been really excited about this for a very long time. It took me, man, like took a good like eight months to, to get 1,000 more subscribers, but... But I, I am seeing slowly that it's actually raising much faster than it used to before. The first thousand took forever. So I'm really happy about that, peeps. If you're listening in, thank you for being one of those subscribers. I love you guys. Um, you make this way easier for me to upload. There was a good chunk of time where I wasn't uh, getting any sort of response from any uploads whatsoever. So now that the ball is finally rolling, man, do I feel different and better at the same time. So thank you. just want to send some love to you guys. going to show you quickly what videos we do have. We have A Day in the Life of a Plumber. I did an asbestos cement video once again. Um, and also Chronicles of Plumber 14 was something I did upload to the channel. This is 15, obviously, as you're watching. I uploaded this even though I said I wouldn't do uh, plumbing podcasts anymore because I find that when I upload it to my channel, a lot of people view it. Look, 157 views right here, and a bunch of people watch it. But my Chronicles of a Plumber uh YouTube channel doesn't get much action at all. So I'm just trying to remind people, hey, if this is something you like, look, there's a whole channel here for you guys. So subscribe to that if you can. Um, subscribe to both of them if you can. If you're the the best sort of subscriber out there, I love you. I already know you're a subscriber. So just wanted to remind people that there is that. And if I pop over here, this is the Chronicles of a Plumber page. See, I'm sitting at eight subscribers. Kind of sad. It's okay. I'm just hoping that everybody realizes, hey, yo, you could pop over here, man, and check some stuff out. We're going to talk about plumbing and my whole week of it. But first things first, yesterday I went to go see Halloween. And Halloween just passed on Wednesday. How did you guys do? Were you guys busy? 
Were you working like me? I got home really late. Or did you guys go out for a Halloween trick-or-treating thing with kids? Or did you just hand out candy? Or do you not celebrate? Let me know in the comments below. I uh, got home around like 7 p.m. that day. And I got to tell you, there weren't a lot of kids at 7 o'clock here where we live. Which is different because when... Sorry, I'm just eating like a maniac here. Hold on. So, we have all this extra chocolate laying around, and I've been splurging. I ain't going to lie. So, check this out. We went and worked, and then I came back to my parents' house where my wife and I used to live. Lots of kids there. Took me about 40 minutes to get here. Not lots of kids. We bought a lot of candy, and it's just sitting in the house. I'm sure you guys know exactly what that feels like, so... I have to process this candy with this body you're looking at right here. Either that or just hand it out. But why do that? Why hand out all of it when you can just have some? You know what I'm saying? Just splurge once a year. So, Halloween went good. It just, we worked late. That was it. Uh, we left the house. Uh, we left the job site, I think, at 6 p.m. No, no, around 5, 5.30 p.m. Got home around 6, 6.30 and I was here around 7.30, so I didn't get to hand out as much candy as I wanted to. I, I really enjoy Halloween. I enjoy seeing the little kids dressed up. I enjoy seeing the whole parenting, uh, trick-or-treating sort of festivity. I love it, and if I'm blessed with kids, I can't wait to do it. Oh, it's going to be so exciting. Because I'm going to eat all their candy, obviously. That's the reason why. So I'm really excited about that. And I really like handing out candy and seeing kids. So seeing the kids trick-or-treating in their outfits. So it was a little bit of a... I was a bit cheesed. But overall, I was really happy that uh, this was our first Halloween alone in a house where we owned ourselves and stuff like that. So things are changing. So I saw the movie Halloween. Got to give it a good 7 point. 8 out of 10, if you're into horror movies, this one did all right, you know what I'm saying? Like, it didn't disappoint, there were a, there was a big body count, huge body count, and if you're into that sort of thing, you're going to be happy, there's a lot of body counts there, but uh, it was an interesting backstory to the Michael Myers thing, I never knew the backstory to Michael Myers, uh, that's an interesting fact right there. I didn't realize that Michael Myers was this patient that dealt with severe mental health, severely dangerous. I, I thought there was a paranormal element to P Michael Myers that I didn't realize. So it wasn't paranormal, but it was a really, really creepy, really scary. All those jump scares. I went with my friend Daryl. I have one vlog on the channel where Daryl and I, <laughs> afterwards, we end up talking about uh, Resident Evil. Let me sh let me show you. Uh, we went to go see this animated version of Resident Evil, which totally flopped on us. Uh, let me show you the video. It'll be really funny. Combined, uh, man, man, where is it? Sorry, peeps, I just got to find this thing. Oh, it's so close. I can feel it. Powder room. Playthrough. Oh, no, 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 no. Right there. Resident Evil Vlog 9. Check that out. Okay, because Daryl and I do a review 
Daryl is one of two people that I go watch horror movies with. I only have two friends that are into it. It's Daryl and it's Rami. And I haven't been uh, to a movie with Rami in ages because Rami is all the way in Chicago right now doing his um, medical degrees, doing his uh, rotation right now. Shout out to Rami. Uh, so Daryl and Rami are my partners in crime when it comes to horror flicks. And it was actually Rami that got me onto horror films. So check out Vlog 9 if you want to see a funny little review at the end of uh, Daryl and I just trashing this this movie, basically. Uh, uh, so that's it. I, I saw it yesterday. It was, uh, like I said, 7.8 out of 10. Almost an A. It was close. It was close. There were some slow parts. The beginning was slow. It was a little bit choppy. Um, but overall, you know, that it came to a final conclusion that I was like, all right, all right, I'm happy with this sort of thing. So if you're into the horror film thing, check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. My favorite horror film uh, series is Insidious, by the way. Insidious, for me, hit the mark, hit the nail right on the head hit all the chords that I needed, man. It's it just such a beautiful orchestration of horror. The The horror movies I hate the most are exorcist movies because I got to tell you a quick story, okay? So when I was 12, I was invited uh, to try out for Team Ontario uh, for soccer. I was one of the, the individuals that uh, they chose, and it was a really big training camp. It must have been like 150 kids, right? So I got invited to this thing and it was over a series of uh three or four weekends sort of thing so we were training really hard and we're trying to get onto team ontario it was a big deal right because that's the provincial team so one day after one of these trainings my mom and dad are like yo let's let's go to a movie and i'm like yo bro i'm down let's go to a movie they're like we're gonna go see the exorcist and i'm like 12 years old or 13 years old i'm like what's the exorcist oh my gosh so the exorcist came out with an extended version into the theaters it was a very limited edition sort of thing like it was a really quick little span of time that the exorcist was coming out again guys a 13-year-old Kenny Molotov kept his eyes closed the entire movie. I couldn't handle it. It was so terrifying. So even to this day, anytime I watch a movie that's dealt with possession, oh, I don't know, bro. I can't handle it that good. Like I'm I'm clutching my head going, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I can do this anymore. This is so scary so scary and there's one there was a preview yesterday of a movie that's coming out that is based on that and it takes place in a i think it's in a morgue it takes place so i am like super i'm gonna watch it don't get me wrong i still like scaring the crap out of myself but uh, possession ones are always get me always get me so that's enough about that if you like horror check that out uh that's a little bit of kenny molotov and his history uh let's jump into plumbing let's talk about a few things that's been going on as of last week man i got a couple of, i got quite a few things to show you here but here's what i want to show you i'm going to show you this very first bathtub that i ended up uh, putting in now here's the thing you got to know dad and i collectively over the past six years probably have installed oh man probably a good 200 300 bathtubs you know what i'm saying like it's a fixture i've seen many a times but but me getting into my sixth year of of plumbing i'm between five and six right now i don't know what what the actual year is for me but here's what i know 
As of right now, Kenny Molotov has two full finished bathtubs under his belt all by himself. Dad wasn't even in the building when I was installing it. That's right. That's me. That's Kenny Molotov. And I'm really proud of that, man. And if McFate is uh, listening, you know why I'm proud, bro. Because it ain't an easy fixture. Josh McFate also messaged me one day when I first started showing bathtubs on uh, the channel. And he was like, bro, these things take me forever. And it's true, man. They're a fixture that when you're installing takes forever. And I'm really proud that I'm able to do it all by myself now. Now, here's the thing. When I say all by myself, I don't mean Kenny Molotov lifts this bathtub, puts it in, and then lays it down by himself because you need a second person to do that. I have yet to meet somebody that can teach me how to do that by myself because it scares the bejesus out of me because I'm afraid of breaking these corners. The thing with bathtubs is is that they're, a lot of them are fiberglass. Like this is a fiberglass one you're looking at. And those corners, man, they go. They go, man. Like if you put it down incorrectly, it'll chip. And if it chips, game over for the bathtub. You got to take it back, man. Then that's it. That's your whole day. Then you got to schedule a day again. Oh, game over for you, man. So that's why we prefer having two people there. And it could be just the general contractor that's working on something else where you can say, hey, can you help me out? Give me a hand with this. Just lay it down with me. Because you got to lay this thing down three or four times in order to get the drain correct, get the level correct, and all that stuff. So you lay it down initially. You see what the level looks like. If you got to change the level, then you start adding shims or you start adding a, a a wood bar across the back here which is what I had to do with this one and then once you do that two or three times then you can see if it's level perfect then you could put in the drain then you could tack it then you can lift it up then you can solder it well and then you can put it back down and finally connect it then you secure it to the studs right here it's a very very lengthy process but I got two under my belt baby that's it I'm ready I need a raise homie I call my dad Homie G, by the way. I don't know if you guys know that already. Um, that name came from a series of different names I used to call my dad. Do you remember the movie Next Friday? It's a it's a really inappropriate movie, <laughs> but uh, dad and I went to go see it when I was young, and there was this uh, Spanish guy there, Spanish-speaking fellow, who would say, Yo, Chico Mayate! And I used to call my dad Chico, uh, Chico Mayate, then Chico, then... I called him homie one day, and I, I said G at the end. Homie G! And I was like, okay, it's perfect. And then it stuck from there. So I got two under my belt. My dad needs to give me a raise. That's what I'm saying. So let me show you what, what it went through. So this was after the installation of the actual bathtub took place. Now we're talking about the shower control valve, okay? Now this shower control valve, where it was sitting, was not centered with the drain. So I had to actually do a little bit of adjusting to get the shower control valve in the spot that I needed. So this is why we had to re -put, uh, put the shower control valve back in in a different way than it was initially. Um, and this is the end result. I know you can't see what the center is right here in this picture, but that's what took a little bit of time at the end. So we ended up, um, the story with this unit itself is that the shower control valve was something my dad and I did a little while back. So the lady was having a difficulty with her original shower control valve, which was around 29, 30 years old, right? So what we do is these remodeling plates, and I'll show you a picture of what that looks like. Uh, we're going to get to one actually in a little bit, but this essentially is a remodeling plate right here. 
this is what it looks like at the end, which is essentially a replacement of an old shower control valve with a new one. So that's what we had done for this lady before. But now that she called us in to do the bathtub, she was like, well, do we have to do this again? We only had, we only did it like three or four years ago. And we're like, no, no, we'll put it back because it's still a fairly young valve and it's not giving you any problems. But... But the center of the drain was different from before, as I was as I was telling you. So there was a little bit of adjustments, and then I did this little solder job right here, and then I shined these pipes real nice because that seems to be the thing plumbers are doing on YouTube right now, or sorry, on Insta right now. So I shined them up real nice, and then uh, I put up a post for you. That was basically um, this happened sometime last week. All right, now. Here's something you got to know. Uh, we've talked about bathtubs at length on this channel and on this vlog or podcast because bathtubs are a difficult fixture to install, but they're also a difficult fixture to ascertain what the heck's going on with them when there's a leak. There's so many spaces. So I just want to show you guys what exactly was going on with this bathtub right here because it might not seem too obvious right now. I'm not sure if you see it right now, but... The first thing you have to do is test the drains. You have to test the shoe right down here, and then you got to test all the way up to the overflow right there. And as we were doing that, I took a look at the wall, and I saw all these cracks going on. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is uh, where the bathtub meets the walls of the bath, the bathroom, I guess, the bathtub walls. And normally there's caulking here. As you see, this caulking is all cracked up and old and dry. But by it being so, it means that you can actually get water to go down into this bad boy right here, which is exactly what's going on downstairs in the unit below. The lady was like, look, there's, uh, you know, somebody showering on my head, essentially, as I'm showering. What the heck's going on here? So we were called in to take a look at this thing. What I ended up doing was I had to scrape. You have to scrape off all this old silicone that's here because new silicone will not stick to old silicone. So you got to scrape it off. That'll take a good half an hour if you're lucky. If you don't have like a really intricate job of silicone. And then I had to recock it as you can see here. This is the best that I could do for the situation we were in. Dad and I don't normally use white caulking, by the way. We use clear caulking. We find that it's less obvious what's going on, and it allows the fixture to take the aesthetic rather than uh, the caulking to take the aesthetic. So as you can see here, it kind of... It's kind of really obvious what's going on here, right? Like the caulking is right up in your face going, yo... Yo, you see me? I'm helping up this situation, you know what I'm saying? But no, Dad and I don't use white caulking. We like to let the fixture uh, create the beauty of the situation. So what you're seeing right here is something we don't typically do, but because they had white caulking before, we figured, okay, they don't mind the white caulking. Um, plus, plus, it'll blend in a little bit better because if there's silicone caulking or clear caulking, we're not sure if they're going to know that it's caulked. So anyways, we were like, you know what? This might be the best uh, sort of result for this situation. So let's just go through with that. So let's keep moving on and I'll show you the shower control valve now and basically the run through of what goes on into it. So this is the old control valve. And what the owners were noticing was that when they turned on the valves, they started leaking. And my dad looked at this entire shower control valve and said, look, this is a really old thing. You might not be able to find parts for this thing anymore. So they were like, okay, forget it. Just, you know, 
Put in a new one, for goodness sake. We're like, okay, fine. So here's what you got to do. You see this hole that we cut? This remodeling plate, that, let me skip ahead a couple. This remodeling plate right here comes with a template. So what you do is you take this template, you put it centered to the old shower control valve, you draw it out, you take a roto-zip, and you roto-zip this bad boy so that it's a nice little opening. So this template now allows you to put the new shower uh uh, shower plate onto it and it'll cover it completely but let me show you what goes into it so this is the old shower control valve still there so what we have to do is we have to get in and we have to cut it out essentially so it started off like this then you cut it out <clears throat> so no no it started out like this as you can see it's got like this bar here you cut off the bar and then you gotta sweat the left one out, you sweat the right one out, and there's one little piece above that you sweat out as well. Once you do that, you're just left with these three pipes right here. You clean those pipes off, and then you solder the new shower control valve, then you put the remodeling plate, and you're in good shape right here. Now here's a couple of things you gotta notice about this one right here. So, you see this copper pipe that's going across there? It doesn't normally go across there. What's happening underneath is there's no toe test. A toe test, if you don't already know, is where your spout comes out. So if you ever have a bathtub, you have a spout to your bathtub, right? You turn on the water, water comes out of the spout, you pull the diverter and starts coming out of your shower head, okay? So when you have a toe test, we're talking about a spout, essentially, that's happening in a stand-up shower. So a lot of people like to turn on the water and have a toe test that way you can put your foot underneath the water you can see if it's the right temperature for you and then you pull the diverter and it comes onto the shower head rather than being a champion and just totally winging it and pulling that diverter right away and dealing with cold water as it comes down at the beginning of the shower which i have done many a times let me tell you so they decide to not have a shower uh toe test so what we did was we capped this bad boy off now we also noticed though that the valves, the valve itself and the pipes themselves were not secure. And it was really, really difficult to try to secure these things in such a tiny little space. So dad came up with the idea, you know what, why don't we just solder a nice little piece of copper across that way? It does provide some support to the movement of the pipe back and forth as they turn it on and turn it off. So that's what dad did, which is not an easy feat to do, by the way. I find it really difficult to solder copper pipes together that aren't in a fitting when they're just sitting on each other like so. Dad knows how to do it. Takes quite a bit of heat, quite a bit of cleaning, and quite a bit of patience. And I think that is the variable that I have the difficulty excuse me, the difficulty with, I just don't have the patience to sit back and just solder this bad boy for like 10 minutes before it finally takes on. Obviously, it's not 10 minutes, peeps. Obviously, I'm a little bit exaggerating, but this is the end result right there. So if you look at this right here, this uh, is what a shower control valve looks like by Moen. It's just this circular piece, but Mullen came up with this remodeling plate that uh, that you throw the plate on top as well. It looks pretty fancy, looks pretty chromey, and people like the end result because it's not very obtrusive. You don't have to get in and cause a lot of damage, and they can get a brand new shower control valve out of the way without destroying tiles and replacing the whole shower itself. Now, 
let's talk about how do you pronounce this? Carabanners? <laughs> it sounds too close to carabana. Uh, where is it? Where's the word? Carbiners. What's wrong with me? <laughs> That's not how you pronounce this. This, my friends, is a carbiner. You probably know what a carbiner is because a lot of people use them for rock climbing, um, for any sort of holstering of things, I guess, but a lot of people use them for keys. Now, I had this post last week on the weekend. And I did this because for six years now, I've been trying to avoid these darn things, uh, even though they're practical like hell. So here's the truth of the matter. The truth is, is I absolutely hate that jingling sound that comes from a carbiner. Is that how you say it? Carbiners, yeah. Uh, when you're walking. I hate that sound. I hate that people know I'm coming. I hate that in a quiet place, I'm just jingling like crazy. I hate it with a passion. I despise it. Also, my dad's had them forever, forever. And I don't know what it was, but it was the, the combination of, okay, I hate the noise they emit and I don't want to be just like my dad. You know, this man has been doing this forever. And it, what bothers me is that he doesn't care if he's making noise as he's walking down the street with these things. So I'm like, all right, look, we're going to hold on to our youth as long as possible. And we're not going to buy a car miner. You know what I'm saying? And you know what ended up happening, peeps? I ended up getting absolutely fundamentally fed up with putting my hands in my pockets to get my keys. And I'll tell you why. Because most of the time when I'm plumbing, I have gloves on. So now I gotta take the glove off, I have to go into my pocket, I gotta reach in, and I have to grab the key. Or, if you're frustrated and impatient like I am sometimes, I don't take the glove off. I go in with a dirty glove, and I go searching and rummaging through my pockets for these bloody keys. Now, the problem with that is, is that I have a key on my, uh, on my keychain that ha is for the car, and it's got a, a automatic lock, right? And that's perfect for the situation of a carbiner. You just put that on your belt. You double click, you're in. You click, you're, you're locked up, and you're good to go. So I eventually had to give up on the notion of not having one. I had to throw my youth aside and finally give in and buy a darn carbiner. And you know what? I tried so hard, and I think it was a great run. But Kenny Molotov gave in and became his father. And that's why I put up this post, essentially, showing you this was the end of my youth. This was me becoming an adult. And this was me feeling like my father for a second and going, What have I done? How did I lose this battle? I know, peeps. I know. It's a little bit of a silly little post. But I had to tell you guys because it was a real moment. You know what I'm saying? So, the other day, I'm replacing a toilet. And this is the nonsense that I see coming out of the, out of the flange. What do you guys see, peeps? Oh. I apologize for that noise. I know that this silly thing does that. So, I'm replacing this toilet. I take out the old gaskets. Yes, that's right, my friends. I, I pluralized that word. There was more than one gasket sitting on top of this flange. And this is what I see. I see a one-inch gasket and a quarter-inch gasket. 
ABS glue together. What the hell is going on here? I've never seen this. Did you guys know that you can ABS glue two of these together? What is this all about? Who decided upon this? Why? Because here's what I noticed. When I put my new toilet down, I, I only used a three-quarter gasket. It was perfect. Was it three-quarter? No, I think it was a one-inch gasket. I, yeah, it was like perfect. I don't know why they doubled this thing up like it needed an extra seal, but the the seal was broken essentially. That's what en ended up happening. That's why they called me in. So I just want to throw this out to the community just to ask, did you guys ever see this? I've never seen this before, ever before in my life. I didn't know ABS glue can glue it together, and maybe it can, but I don't even know if it can't because, look, it's crusting off. I don't think it secures them together. <laughs> so... Essentially, uh, this tenant had to get a new toilet installed um, because she was sick of her old one, but the old one was also losing leaks. So in other words, peeps, if you're going to do something bootleg, I'd rather you go with silicone, which will actually seal the bad boy up for a long duration of time than go on with this ABS glue right here. Um, by the way, we use silicone during uh, toilet installations. Do you guys? Um we use silicone in two different areas. One thing that dad recently added to the repertoire was putting it on the bottom of the gasket and putting it onto the flange because it almost glues it to the flange and makes sure that it's sealed underneath, but also that it's not going to move when the toilet goes on top of it. That's number one. We never used to do that. I don't know why dad eventually started doing that, but it's an additional form of seal that he likes to put on, which I don't know. It's not the worst thing in the world, but he does it. So I do it. And to be honest, it's worked thus far ever since. Knock on wood. You know what I'm saying. The other place we put it is underneath the toilet. We actually silicone underneath. As I was telling you, we use clear silicone for that. We wipe it up real nice. And then the toilet secures to the base really nice. If there's any sort of wobble, that gets eliminated completely and whatnot. Do you guys do that? I just wanted to throw that out there to have a little bit of conversation to see what's going on. So we also did a two-inch riser valve this week. This two-inch riser valve was a pain in the butt. If you've ever soldered valves before or soldered copper or any sort of brass that's over whew, over an inch and a half, even an inch and a half starts getting a bit more difficult. The really hard part with soldering large diameter pipes like this is that it takes way more heat to actually get the solder to, to bond really well. So... Dad ended up doing the majority of this, to be honest, and that was because I think he was just in a, in, in a, like he just wanted to rush. We had a bunch of things to do this day. So I did all the cleaning of the copper, as you can see here. We also used one slip coupling. Slip couplings are a dream in situations like this because two-inch pipes a lot of the times give you no spread in order to get that new valve in. So you put a slip coupling into it so that you can put it up real nice, slip it back on, and you're good to go. Just cut that piece exactly to size. And this is eventually what it looked like. Not the prettiest solder job in the world, but it did the job. We tested the riser. The riser was good. And this whole reason stemmed from a moment about a week ago when we walked in to try to change of an isolation valve for a washroom. And we tried closing this riser before, the one that was before this. Sorry, 
the valve that was in this one's place before we installed this one and that gate valve didn't close so we couldn't do that repair anyways so that's why we had to come in and do this so that we could replace the isolation valve upstairs let's keep going parker's plumbing got to give you some love they ended up liking a bunch of my posts they were very friendly thanks for the love and this is the video that i uploaded this week now the video that I uploaded this week had to do with asbestos cement. As you already know, if you've seen my previous asbestos cement video, I'll show you where that is right now. It is right, right here. A day in the life of the plumber, transite pipe, asbestos cement. Okay. Now, I start this video off with a disclaimer because as I was doing uh, this video, I did some research to go into the studio and talk about asbestos cement, and I realized, according to the standard, Dad and I weren't working according to the standard. What we did have on were asbestos masks, which was super important, but we weren't wearing any white suits, and I don't think we were, uh, we weren't wetting the pipe enough, because in order to cut asbestos cement safely, safer, I should say. You have to wet the pipe significantly. So I go through this little disclaimer at the beginning of the video, and then I tell you guys, look, I'm going to be taking a course on asbestos cement just to just to learn and to be able to protect myself and my father and whoever other employees that we end up uh, picking up along the way. So I ended up doing that in this video this week. I ended up taking a course and uh, telling you guys a little bit more of asbestos cement. I did implement the white suits and whatnot, and I wanna show you the teaser video right now. Let's go. I wanted to jump into the studio to address something that I mentioned in the last video that we were handling asbestos cement. One of the biggest reasons why asbestos was used throughout construction is because it had a lot of beneficial traits to it. It had acoustical absorption, which is a really big thing for us plumbers. All right, so what you were seeing in there was essentially a pipe that was made of asbestos cement. What is asbestos cement? It's just a combination. It's a bond between asbestos and cement. And they found that when you took asbestos and you implemented it in these sorts of things, including cement and including drywall, uh, it actually formed a bigger, uh, stronger bond. So the fundamental things that asbestos provided, it's team uh, no, it's feet C. That's how I remember it, okay? F stands for heating and fire protection. E stands for electrical protection. Uh, A stands for acoustical absorption. Uh, T is tensile strength. And C is chemical resistant. So, strength, uh, so it's fire resistant, chemical resistant, electrical resistant, acoustical absorption. And the last one, F-E-A-T. Uh, 
T, T, tensile strength. So essentially, that's what asbestos provided. Asbestos is a mineral that you can find on Earth that is mined, actually. And what they found was that it was one of these sorts of elements on our planet that were perfect for putting into buildings and putting into houses because all those things that I just described are perfect. I mean, like you can put something in here and it essentially will not heat up if if a fire breaks out. It will not add to the fire. Uh, it won't uh, have an electrical charge go through it. So if you touch it, you'll get electrocuted. It is a strong substance. It's acoustically... Uh, really good so it'll absorb sound rather than emit sound and all, the other one what's the other one eat tensile strength chemical oh yeah and if you put any chemicals on it it won't deteriorate because of the chemicals so it made a lot of sense why we ended up using asbestos in, in houses and and the building and you know like it, it's it's perfect for that sort of market and then we realized that it had really adverse effects on health so I go into great de greater detail in the actual video, and I talk about all the different things it provided, like I just did right now, but I also talked about all the things that occur uh, health-wise from asbestos itself. So what you were seeing was uh, a storm drain that was an asbestos cement. You find these still throughout Canada, but the last video I was uh, showing you on asbestos cement I found an article that basically said that Canada has officially put its foot down and said that we are not importing any asbestos products anymore thus far. So you cannot find asbestos cement anymore in Canada. That's it. It's gone. Transite pipe is gone from us. So uh, the last video that we were talking about, Dad and I found that out firsthand because we called up one of our suppliers and we're like, look, we need a four-inch uh, transite pipe. And they're like, hey, we don't have that anymore, which led me down this rabbit hole in order to figure out more and more about these sorts of things. So if you want to find out more about asbestos cement, do me a favor, go down into the YouTube channel, check it out. Um, really good video. I put a lot of time into it. I took that course and I told you a little bit about it. If you ever want to take an asbestos cement course or an asbestos awareness course, you could also take it uh, on the website that I took it, which was, um, it, it's in the video. It's in the video. So check that out. So that's why I did a second video on it because I wanted to show you also what the appropriate way is to approach asbestos. And even in this video with what we do do, that is correct, there's still a lot of things that we need to do uh, to make it even better next time. Um, disposing of asbestos pipe is something that we have to spend more time trying to figure out how to do correctly. There are special bags that you can get that are asbestos bags. Um, essentially, they just have asbestos awareness on it. So it'll say the bag's full of asbestos, and then I think there's a certain place you got to take it to drop it off or whatnot. So there's still things that we can do that we will be doing, but, you know, we're, we're stepping in the right direction. The reason why we wear those white suits, by the way, is because they found that um, asbestos breaks into the air. It stays there for a while, but it can also fall on your clothing. You go home, you take your clothes off, you throw them down, that asbestos goes airborne again. So some of the adverse effects that the workers were experiencing, they also found in the family members of the workers years down the road. So they noticed that people were bringing it home whether they knew it or not. So one thing you want to do is wear something that can, can 
uh, asbestos might fall on, and then you're supposed to wipe it off with a wet uh, sponge. Wipe wipe off that suit with a wet sponge, and then you're supposed to get rid of that suit, and the clothing underneath or the clothing you change into should be asbestos-free. That's why we wear those as well. So we did all those things, which is a great step in the right direction, but, you know, there's always room for improvement. Let's keep going. So... This is just what I uploaded maybe like right before this uh, podcast, by the way. I just wanted to show you what the end of my week looked like. I took a picture of a vanity, toilet, and a bathroom group. Sorry, a vanity, toilet, and also a shower control valve that I had to install the other day. These were some of the tools that I needed to use. There's actually a couple of things on the left and the right, but I couldn't fit it into the Instagram frame, unfortunately. Uh, This was the vanity that we were putting in. And this is what it ended with. This is how I left the place. I had secured the vanity to the wall. I installed the toilet. And I also installed the shower control valve right over here, which was the rem- the, the plate, the shower control plate, I should say. So this is how I left it. There were a couple of things still missing. The lady uh, didn't like the faucet that we had brought for her. So she wants to go out and buy a faucet herself which I wish was done before we got there, essentially, because if it was, we would have been able to take care of the situation really easy and whatnot, but, and get it all done and then go home right away, and we wouldn't have to spend more time and effort to come back and redo it. It's always more efficient if all the fixtures are there, if all the faucets are there, and then we do everything one shot. But that's not how uh, the ball rolls sometimes, unfortunately, but it's looking really nice, right? So the last thing I want to show you, I got this all on tape, by the way. This is going to be in one of the vlogs coming up. This, my friends, is a disaster of a toilet flange. I run into these quite a bit. What you're looking at here is, I think it was a a quarter or half inch gasket, rubber. And then on top of that was an inch of wax gasket. So... This plumber that came in before built up this flange this way in order to put the new toilet in, essentially. So let me show you what's going on with this toilet. This is how thick they had to build up. Look how much wax there is on the bottom of this toilet. Like, just a disaster, right? Take a look at this. Look how deep that flange is, bro. That flange is at least on its own about easy, easy an inch low an inch low. Now, like I was telling you guys many a times, Dad and I don't use wax gaskets except if the flange is too high. If the flange is really high, you don't really have a choice. You got to go wax because wax can compress significantly low. But when we're dealing with low flanges like this, you're in for quite a bit of work, essentially. What you have to do is you got to break out the, um, the, repair kits. And this is what a repair kit is. A repair kit is like a plastic piece that is a flange, essentially. It's a very thin plastic piece that you put on top of a flange and it goes so that it goes inside this hole like this and it's also much wider and you build up the flange that way and then you throw in some screws to secure it to the original flange and you throw in your bolts. This is what it eventually looks like. So, As you can look inside there, there's two layers. So we had to put two of these um, 
what do you call them? Uh, repair kits. We had to put two of these repair kits in. I had to then secure them with screws into the old flange. And then I had to use really long bolts in order to get this new toilet on top. But as you can also see, I ended up siliconing around this bad boy right here because I wanted to make sure that if there was a leak going on, that it was going inside the flange rather than the outside of the flange. It was just an additional uh, portion of safety that I really wanted to make sure of. So once you go through this extensive repair, essentially what you have to do is throw the toilet on top of uh, some sort of wax gasket or rubber gasket as dad and I like to use. This was a one inch gasket, which was rubber. And I got some compression on it, which was good, which means the toilet and the gasket were meeting. And then finally, boom, you put in a toilet and you're good to go. Like I was telling you guys before, those sorts of jobs would destroy me. But this one wasn't too bad. This one, uh, I'm getting better. The only thing that is a real big concern when I see flanges like this now is in my head I go, crap, do I have repair kits in my truck? That's the only thing. Before, when I was just getting used to doing these, I used to think to myself, crap, now I got to build this thing up. Oh, then I got to go get the, the repair kits. Oh, and it would be this whole anxiety moment. But now it's like, ah, I could do this. Uh, do I have repair kits? Perfect. I do. Let's do it, man. It was easy. I got to tell you a story that happened quickly after, and then I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. So after this job that you saw just now with this toilet right here, I ended up going to a customer we go to at least once a year, man. Honestly, it's uh, it's a house. And, and the reason why I, I sound so apprehensive about going to this house is because, man, I, I, don't, I, I really don't understand what's going on here. So it's a rental property for a couple of customers that we, we know. It's a father-son rental company or a rental house. And they rent it out to a bunch of people. And at least once a year, we got to go in and snake this drain. Because the amount of grease that comes out of this drain is just phenomenally ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh, the amount of grease that they're cooking with is like, it's mind-boggling to be honest. And we've been to a couple of houses that are like this. But this one is really bad with this. So at least once a year we go there. And what ends up happening is yesterday, I go in, I start snaking the drain and I'm using the K50. And I'm going through the kitchen stack. And this is what ends up happening. We end up, it was just me and, and the owner of the house. I end up throwing in the snake. I threw in like, oh, I threw in like five, six cables, eh? Like a lot. And they're eight feet each. So I went like 50 feet with these cables. So I throw them in. And uh, I had a hard time getting it in to begin with, right? Because... Um, there was at some point I was hitting a brick wall somewhere. So I pulled it out thinking to myself, maybe I had uh, wrapped something up in the snake. Maybe if I pull it out, that's it. We just run the drain and make sure that we flush out everything else. I pulled it back up and realized, no, I didn't grab anything. Uh, I just hit a brick wall essentially. So I got to take a different head and try to go through this uh, really strong obstruction. So I throw on a new head and I send the snake down again. And I'm three or four coils in, 
and I realize, okay, I think I broke through finally. It was tough, but but we're moving now. So I turn on the water because it was a clean out I was going through to allow the drain to flush as you're snaking this, right? That's the way to actually do it. it it's, it's the more efficient way to do it. If you can't do it that way, then just throw in the snake and then run the water after. But it's always best to run the water during because whatever it is that's down there is being flushed out. And on top of that, the snake is being washed at the same time. So you get two of those benefits at the same time. So I'm running the water, everything's going great, and I'm happy. The snake is coming out still greasy. There's so much grease inside. It is the equivalent of a restaurant. I kid you not. It's like somebody is cooking greasy food every single day, and all this grease is going down into the drain, and there's no grease interceptor in the house, let me tell you. So I'm pulling these coils out, and I'm two coils away from finishing the job. I'm super excited. So I have to uh, take off one of the coils. So I turn off the machine. Or actually, I left the machine running. I turn, And I had earplugs in. That's another thing I got to tell you. I had earplugs in. I take off the coil. I take it out of the whip. I take it out of the whip and I wrap it. And I throw it inside the holster for the coils. And as I'm doing this, I hear a noise. And I'm going, what? I know that noise. What is that noise? And I go, oh, crap. That noise is the snake going into the drain. I look up, and the snake's gone. The other coils that were outside are now inside the entire drain. Oh, man. Oh, man. The job that was about to finish in 10 minutes is going to take at least another 45 minutes now because now I got to go chase my snake. So I have to go downstairs. And, of course, this pipe is behind a wall. I got to start opening up the wall. I got to open up the clean-out. After I open up the wall and I try opening out the clean-out, Whichever bastard cemented this floor, cemented it so that it was obstructing the clean-out from actually being removed. So I couldn't remove the clean-out until I chiseled around this thing. I start chiseling around this thing. Finally, I could get into the clean-out. Now, my fingers are crossed right now because it's possible for that entire snake to go all the way down to a place where I can't reach it. So I'm hoping and praying that is just sitting there waiting for me. Lo and behold, I open it up. Thank the Lord. I'm sitting right there. I grab it. I pull it out. I close the clean out. I got to go upstairs now. I have to connect the drain. I have to test the water. By this point, dad's back and he's helping me out. But it was just a terrible ending to a difficult day. <laughs> On a Friday, no less, of course. And you know what the awesome part about it is? I also got that on tape. So at some point, I'm going to be showing you guys exactly what happened, exactly what we had to do, and what a disaster of a day it was. And then afterwards, I was good enough or lucky, lucky enough to end my day on a good note and go watch Halloween. And that, my friends, was my week full of plumbing. I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you for the love. My name is Kenny Molotov, plumbing YouTuber, magician, musician. All the links down in the description below. 
You guys are the best. Thank you for watching, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Kenny Molotov, guys. Peace, baby.